Welcome to the show. Of course, like anything else, we're always having technical difficulties. Apologize for not being able to go live this week, but we're going to do an all-podcast week for week 7 AT. Exciting stuff from this past weekend, a crazy weekend. We'll get into our picks and how those shaped out. I think I'm back in the lead, but it's kind of crazy to think that we would have lost a ton of money on our own sport if we were actually betting these lines. Now, of course, we're, you know, betting every single bet in here. We wouldn't normally do that. Um, but it's great to think that we're <laughs> we might, right? um, but it's crazy to think that we'd actually lose as much as we have over the course of these picks. It just makes it exciting. This season is ex- extremely exciting. But AT recently came out with another poll, one through 20. Uh, yep. And a couple things I wanted to point out and question or ask you about. Uh, yep. You were the only one that voted Hofstra number one. How do you feel about yeah. that? Uh, I feel uh, very confident. I feel like I'm, I feel like the first guy to establish a pattern in Pac-Man and nobody else <laughs> knows that I established it and I'm putting up the high score and people keep asking me how I'm doing it and watching me play around my machine at Godfather's pizza. And I just keep going around and doing the same pattern. I feel like I'm the only one that figured it out. Um, you know, I look, I look at these, listen, I can defend this very, very easily. Um, Hofstra undefeated has beaten. This is based on last week's media. Correct. And that's what you have to go on last week's media poll. So as of last week's media poll, Hofstra is one of four teams that had beaten two top 20 teams, right? That's right. Hofstra beaten Carolina and Princeton, number four and 19. Rutgers, right. with, with no losses. Rutgers had beaten number 13 Army and number 14 Stony Brook with no losses. Okay? That's right. So to me, those two guys have to be one and two, and they were in my poll. Now, Denver has a compelling pitch in that they've also beaten two top 20 programs and actually have a more prestigious set of wins over number 18 Duke and number one Notre Dame. The only caveat with Denver is that they also have a loss, and they lost to Carolina. And Carolina is a team that Hofstra beat. That's right. So you cannot have Denver ranked ahead of Hofstra, and in my opinion, or Rutgers at this point. Now, Denver's played a tougher schedule, but they have a loss, okay? And then the next team is Syracuse. They have wins over number 11 UVA and number 12 Albany. But they, too, have a loss. And as a result of that loss, you can't have them, in my opinion, ranked ahead of Penn State because Penn State has a win over Penn, only one top 10, top 20 program, but they have no losses, okay? And then you have Army, which beats Syracuse head-to-head, so you can't have Syracuse ahead of Army. They beat them head-to-head, right? So for me, it's pretty simple that Hofstra receives the first choice, is is the number one team in the country, based on their body of work, okay? And I had, you know, most people that have gone back and forth with me while they might not love it, can respect the reasoning behind me putting yep. Hofstra number one, right? This is the yep. 2017 rankings. Yeah. Lacks film room. It's not, what are the rankings from last year and all the information available? We're not ranking the programs. Otherwise, I would not have Hofstra number one. Right? We're not ranking the programs. We're ranking the teams based on their body of work today in 2017. Now, let me say, I don't think there are enough data points at this point to responsibly rank the teams. However, with the data points provided, mm-hmm. that is justifiable or a justifiable ranking. No question. Um, so I get. You know, do I think? So, go ahead. Yep. 
Well, I, I wanted to piggyback on what uh, Pat McEwen talked about, which there is a valid point to what he's saying, because basically he's asking you your, your poll theory. And your poll theory is very obvious. You go by body of work compared to everyone else's body of work. In now, 2017. Think, that's right. That's right. But I think that, and you just kind of admitted to it, that you, you wouldn't have Hofstra as number one if you went on pure gut and information and the knowledge that you know comparing team versus team. Does that make sense? So, like, you know, we make yeah, six if every I, week. If, if I went just eyeballing it and not results, if I'm going to rank who I think the best teams are, yes, my rankings would be different. And, that, and I think that that's what people have a tendency, and, and some poll voters do that. They do this, the, 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 uh, the latter there. They, they rank based on best teams and mix in body of work, right? Um, yeah, but and you can, know what? That's, can, it's, it's, very sub, it's very subjective, Ryan, and you know, I, I, I'm with you. Lax Laxville can say... You know, who's to say that body of work in 2017 is the criteria? Well, for me, when I see 2017 media poll, uh, that's what I'm going on. That's what it means. Like, that's what it means to me. And that's just a hunch, as I tweeted out. Um, but if you're going to factor in you know, your gut instincts and all this sort of stuff, well, then uh, it, it just – then – However you feel, media poll this week, right? However I feel, it, it's just, it's, uh, well, I think some people out. can do it. Yeah. And I think some people can do it because they know that it shakes out in the end. For instance, they feel confident to put, you know, a ACC or big 10 team ahead of say Hofstra because they know in the end it'll shake out because those teams are going to have one heavy RPIs and two, they're going to have big wins later on in the season. And I think that people are confidently can say, well, if I put up, you know, Denver versus Hofstra today, who do you, who would you go and pick? AK. Yeah. I, I, I would they pick, play today. I would probably, I probably pick Denver. I mean, I probably pick Denver. And, and I think I from that yeah, no, 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 no. And, and of course, that's why you play the game, right? And I think that there's an aspect of that that people are talking about uh, amongst these polls is that, well, if you have, justifiably, you have Hofstra number one. And I don't think anyone can really disagree with that, other than the fact that they can say, well, Denver plays Hofstra today, who wins? And, and you just said yourself, Denver probably wins, but maybe but then, who knows? But then the, poll, then the polls really never change, right? Because I'm going to pick Denver against whoever they play pretty much every single time. So why do a weekly <laughs> poll? Let's just do one poll. Because Denver's on top and Notre Dame's behind them and Maryland's behind them for the rest of the year. And do that the because whole it, time. Because that's the because exact same thing. It, it kind of is, but then the results change too. Like, for instance, we had UNC and, and the results already changed, right? Which was my next point, is that UNC was ranked number 14 in your poll, I believe, at 4-2. and two. They just lost to Richmond again. Is, is UNC out of your bracket come this weekend? And, and, and I know they've got a few, uh, they play Dartmouth. So that's out, in, out of my bracket, out of my top 20? Out, out, of, out of your top 20, they play Dartmouth this weekend. So basically that, that game no, doesn't have, count. UNC has one win and no bad losses. That's true, too. Right? That Who were their true. losses? They lost to Hopkins, they lost to uh, Hofstra, and they lost to Carolina. And they lost to, I'm sorry, they lost to Richmond, Hopkins and Hofstra. They don't have a bad loss, right? They're going to drop. They are going to drop, but they don't have a bad loss. Yeah. So I I guess, um, you know, that's probably a bad example, but now, you know, of course those fields change as teams play game in and game out. And again, if you go uh, just off of, you know, the numbers, um, it could become tough, but I do appreciate the way you do the poll because I feel like teams, need to be rewarded for their body of work at that moment of time, because it's important that the, the polls constantly reflect your week to week performances. Because I just, like want to get, said, I just want to get, I just want to get rid of the political bias. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. all I want to do. You know, the, the, the toughest part of the whole poll for me was where do I put, Maryland and Albany, who we both know are great teams, 
right? And their game gets snowed out, so they can't play. And to me, you know, obviously the winner of that game now has a big win. And the loser of that game doesn't have a bad loss, but they still don't have a big win. And, and, and why do I penalize BU and Ohio State who have no big wins, but they also have no bad losses because they have no losses? That's right. Right? And, you know, why, why does Albany and Maryland get to go in at, you know, 9 and 10? Not Maryland, Albany is how I have it. And BU and Ohio State are at 19 and 20 or whatever, you know, 18 and 19. That was, that's the only part that's tough for me to defend. But I, but, right. and I, and so I didn't know really where to put them other than, you know, they had one goal losses to two teams that, you know, are very proven in Notre Dame and Syracuse. I, I it, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough time to be putting together this, this poll. Um, 100%. I agree with that. I agree with that. 100%. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to do players and coaches of the week. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor developed, scientifically backed, industry changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. We're back. Players and coaches of the week. AT, tell me who your player of the weeks are. Well, in the spirit of consistency, I will crescendo again, RD. And so I will start with my runner-up. And my runner-up is defenseman from Penn State, Chris Sabia, nice. who basically shut down Morgan Cheek in a 15 to 12 Penn State win over Harvard. It was the IYF game of the week. Game of the I week. had stated that I thought that Morgan Cheek was going to go off, and he got completely shut down. Um, he did score two goals at the end but they were meaningless goals after the game was already decided. And mm-hmm. he just couldn't, he was pressing. He just couldn't, he just couldn't get it done. He took us some, took some shots. The goalie just caught not a good game for Morgan cheek. Um, in addition, Chris Sabia actually ended up scoring a goal at the end as well on a coast to coast play, which was very, very impressive. Uh, but my player of the week, I got to go to uh, the Towson Hopkins game. And High Point University transfer to Towson, Alex Woodall, picked uh, 16 for 25 at the X against Hopkins, including 7 for 7 in the fourth quarter, scored two goals and one assist. All three points were off the break, I believe, after Johns Hopkins' goals, and essentially prevented Hopkins from getting any momentum and is more than worthy for my in-your-face player of the week, Alex Woodall, Towson University Fogo. I like him a lot. My runner-up, and as you can expect, uh, we had a crazy uh, game in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, Penn came out slow, and Michigan came out fast. Uh, Really kind of played well through three and three-quarters, and scored seven straight goals at the end of the game. Uh, but a big factor of Michigan's run all game uh, and a big factor of their play from top to bottom was Ian King. Ian King had three and two on the day. Uh, he played a great game. Uh, I was fortunate enough to coach him his freshman year. The kid is a scorer. He's a competitor. Um, he really can do damage, um, and uh, he did so against Penn this weekend in a huge win uh, for the Michigan Wolverines uh, this past weekend. First uh, ranked win uh, for John Paul and his crew. Uh, but my runner-up, Ian King, 3-2 and two against Penn. But my winner, I'm going back to the same game you did. 
Um, in that Hopkins-Towson game, Joe Seidel, with four goals and a win against Hopkins, continuously putting himself at the top of the charts in terms of best attackman in the country, uh, just putting up another great performance. Uh, Joe Seidel uh, continuing uh, to put uh, Towson offense on his back and being able to perform at the highest level against what we would consider one of the best teams out there in the country and Johns Hopkins. Uh, so I have player of the week for myself, Joe Seidel from Towson. Nice. AG, nice. who is your coach of the week? Uh, well, my two runner-ups, and this was co-runner-ups. Uh, the first was Friday night, Rutgers pounding Stony Brook in a game that I thought Rutgers would win, but I also said that I thought Stony Brook would cover Last year, Stony Brook beat them 15-6, to and this year, Rutgers left no gray area in a big revenge game. Uh, so a co-runner-up for Coach of the Week for me was Brian Breck from Rutgers. He just continues to do an unbelievable job at Rutgers in moving them into a top-five team, in my rankings, top-two team in the country based on their performance to date. Uh, the other coach I had as a runner-up was... Hofstra's Seth Tierney. Hofstra, I do not believe, was in the top 30 preseason. And Seth Tierney had been under fire a little bit as the coach at Hofstra for not uh, being more successful. But anybody that knows the sport knows that Seth is one of the best minds in the entire sport. And he is proving it this season. And no explanation or no exclamation mark game more than this weekend's victory over UNC who was coming off a win against Denver at Chapel Hill 11-9. So Seth Tierney, congrats. Unbelievable performance. J.P. Brazel as well. They're just doing a great job down there. Um, but my coach of the week has to go back to Ann Arbor for his first ever top 20 win, I believe. Uh, and that's John Paul in the Michigan Wolverines. What a performance. I watched a big portion of that game, and Michigan looked very poised. They looked like they had a plan uh, on the offensive end of the field. They got a great performance out of Tommy Height and goal. Uh, I will say that it's a good thing that the game ended when it did, because if it had gone on for another 30 seconds, you guys may have won by five goals, Ryan, uh, <laughs> because you were scoring really quickly down the stretch. But fortunately... Uh, the game ended when it did, and a big congrats to John Paul, my coach of the week. Unbelievable job. It was a good game. It was a great game down the stretch. Uh, not so much for Penn for three and three quarters, but uh, uh, certainly in the fourth quarter it made it exciting. I have two coaches, and we decided, AT and I, we're going to change it up. And I'm going to do assistant coaches of the week. And my runner-up for assistant coach of the week is Anthony Gallardi. Anthony Gallardi yeah. putting up and his offense putting up 13 goals against Johns Hopkins. Um, and I think that Anthony Gallardi has done a great job combining with uh, what Sean Madeline wants to do on the defensive end and being as efficient as he can on the offensive end. Look, if you're going to have a great defense, um, then you have to be super efficient on offense. And it's tough to do so when you're not facing or when you don't get as many possessions as you typically do playing for a Towson team. Teams are going to take a long time uh, to try to score against the Towson defense. And so uh, for that and the 13 goals he put up for uh, Towson in that Hopkins game, which is a big game that will probably, and I don't know, you're a poll voter, probably put Towson definitely secure them in the top 10. I think moving forward, as long as they win uh, this weekend, no doubt. But, uh, I got Anthony Gillardi as my a runner-up assistant coach, but for the win, JP Brazel in that Hofstra game, assistant yes, coach Brazel. of the week. JP Brazel, incredible, eleven goals against UNC. Um, I had a chance to talk with him briefly the other day about his win. He just he just basically said, you know, our guys did a great job bringing energy and sticking together through the peaks and value of the game. Uh, you know, he complimented UNC and their extremely athletic, super talented team. Um, you know, forces you to execute on your game plan offensively. Um, you know, he, he felt like he could emphasize taking extra step or yard to free their hands. 
and make the simple play. I mean, that was one of the big things he wanted, um, especially for each to keep each of their possessions flowing. Uh, he also made a side comment that he believed that their sideline did an unbelievable job supporting the guys on the field uh, for the entire game. Uh, sideline energy was a huge factor uh, and something that no one really sees on the stat sheet, but as important as anything. And I think that that really goes to the, to the status right now, the culture um, of the program at Hofstra. They're really feeling it, and they're feeling confident. And if you've got buy-in on the sidelines, then I really think that you've got a great team in the making. Uh, J.P. Brazel is my assistant coach of the week. He sounds uh, a lot like a head coach in the making to me. I mean, those, those that, comments are spot-on. They're detail-orientated. Um, he addresses the intangibles. You know, I'd love to see him get an opportunity to be a head coach on the Division One level soon. I, I got to believe that Hofstra is going to continue to have a great season, and I would love to see J.P. get a shot if he chooses uh, to make a move because I think he'd do a great job. I think he would as well. Um, but this is the best part of the show, A.T. This is the part of the show where you go over last, peak's, uh, last week's picks today. Uh, and I, I think it's really, really important that we go through these nice and slow. Um, <laughs> so we can... <laughs> but uh, tell us about uh, last week. All right. Well, I, I will say that it was just a debacle this weekend's games. I mean, I just can't get over the results. You go over the outcomes, and it's just, it's just really just kind of painful. Um, you look at all of the upsets over the course of the last week. It started midweek with UMass beating Yale. Um, you know, it progressed Towson beating Hopkins, uh, Duke beating up on Loyola, uh, Fairfield coming back, almost knocking off Yale, not doing it. Michigan knocking off Penn, um, Lehigh playing army close. St. John's almost knocking off Syracuse. Hofstra beating Carolina in Carolina. Cornell almost knocking off Virginia. And then you got other outside of games, you know, Holy Cross beating Bucknell, Lafayette beating Navy. It just was a, an incredibly tough weekend for anybody who's trying to uh, guess the outcomes of these games. <laughs> After Saturday's performance, I think I tweeted out that I was – Seven and eighteen, something like that. Maybe I was seven and twenty-two. Is that what I? I think I was seven and twenty-two. Wow, that's bad. I was. I was seven and twenty-two, and you were twelve and seventeen, and had a five-win advantage on me. I made up one point on the Sunday games. I won the rock bottom ball, but in the end, I was far from a winner. Uh, I finished ten and twenty-five, but you finished wow. not that much better at 14 and 21. So uh, you won the week again. That's two weeks in a row you've won. Uh, more ironically, it now is completely even. We are each at 97 yes. wins and 91 losses after week six. So um, wow. you, have the t you have the belt, both short-term, um, and then long-term, uh, we are tied. So that makes this week a huge week. Huge week. And with that, let's get into the lightning round. I wish I had a, an audio sound to go, <laughs> but uh, we don't. We'll just live with that one. Lightning round. You ready for it, AT? Yeah. All right. So we're going to mix and match. Tonight there are games. In fact, this afternoon there are games at 12 o'clock. Rutgers plays uh, Princeton. Or no, excuse me. Towson plays Ohio State. And I think Rutgers plays Princeton tonight. Um, so we're going to go jump around all over the place. We're doing this weekend. So we're going to talk about tonight's and today's games. Um, but here we go. AT first up Rutgers favored nine and a half against New Jersey tech. The over under here is 20, uh, 22 and a half. What do you got? Uh, I think Rutgers is on a serious momentum train right now. And there's, they're definitely going to win the game. I think they're going to uh, beat this. They're a high-scoring team. they got an offense that they are continuing to improve upon, but they just are their runaway train. I, I, got, I got Rutgers, and uh, I think that NJIT is going to struggle to score goals against this team. 
I think Rutgers is going to score a ton of goals. I like the 22-5 as a line, uh, but I still I, I think it's too much for what NJIT is going to be able to put up. So I like Rutgers, but I like the under. I'm going to take New Jersey here. I think nine and a half is a little too strong, um, and I'm going to take the under on 22 and a half. I don't think they're going to score a lot of goals, but I think this is just going to be a slow-paced game. It's just not going to be a lot of uh, a ton of scoring in general. So I've got New Jersey plus nine and a half. I'm going to take the under on 22 and a half. Next up is Richmond, favored by four and a half against Jacksonville this weekend. 21 and a half is the line. What do you got here? Uh, Richmond is playing really, really well. If they held the Carol, if they, if they held the heels to five goals on Monday evening, uh, I think Jacksonville is going to have a tough time scoring twice on them. <laughs> I really do, and and that's not an overstatement. Dan Shamati is just flat out getting it done. Uh, I like Richmond, and I like the under twenty-one five is too much for me. So I like Richmond in the under. I like Richmond and the under in this one as well uh, for the same exact reasons that you have. I think they win by five, but it's like a 10-5 kind of game. Uh, Carolina favored by my al- on my alma mater, Dartmouth, by eight goals. The over-under here is 22.5. What do you got on this one? Uh, I like uh, I, I, Carolina is going to come back in a big, big way. They're going to win all the face-offs. And they're going to roll it up after back-to-back losses at home to Hofstra and then to Richmond. Joe Bresci and his staff are going to send a message to the lacrosse world that Carolina, uh, you know, is going to come back with a vengeance. Just remember, last year at this time, Carolina coming off the last to UMass was four and three, and they went on to win the national championship. And um, I'd love to see them do it again. If Brown can't win the national championship, I'd love to see Carolina do it again. Uh, and they, and Dartmouth is going to Dartmouth is going to get pounded. I got I got North Carolina, and um, I will say I don't think that Dartmouth is going to score many goals on Carolina. So I'm going to take the under here. I see Carolina winning 18 to three, something like that. I got Carolina, and I got the under. I'm going to take Dartmouth to cover this. Uh, I don't think they win, but I do think that eight might be a little too strong. I think nine and a half in New Jersey was a little too strong. Um, I'm going to take the under on 22 and a half as well. I don't think either team scores a lot of goals here, and that's what makes the eight goal difference a little too large for me. Albany favored by four. UVM, over UVM, excuse me, 25 goals is the over-under here. What do you got, AT? This is an interesting game, and that is played at Vermont. Uh, Albany has got a lot of offense. They've got a very, very good goaltender. Um, you know, Vermont showed a lot of guts coming back and beating a great or a sacred heart team that's been off to a very, very good start. And they seem to be able to score some goals. So the lightning round, AJ, you got to fire yeah, it off. I got, I, I got Vermont and I got the over. Wow. I'm going to take the over, but I got Albany here uh, covering four goals. I think there's just too much time in between games for both UVM and Albany. Albany is going to be prepared. Uh, I'll take the over as well. Penn State favored by four over Fairfield. 23 and a half is the over under. What do you got here, AT? Penn State's playing really well. Fairfield's playing very poorly except for one half. Um, I like Penn State and the over. If this game is another indoor game, um, Penn State might win by 10. Uh, I've got Penn State, uh, and I have the over as well. This could get really ugly really fast for Fairfield. Duke, favored by three and a half over Georgetown. 22 is the over-under. AT, what do you got? I like the way Duke is playing right now. I think they're going to win the faceoffs. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. Georgetown seems to be playing better but I don't think they're going to have enough in this game to beat Duke. Um, but I do think that they're going to have an opportunity to keep it relatively close. So mm, three and a half. I just, it's just, I got, I got Duke and I got the over. I'm going to take the over on 22 and I'm going to take G town to cover this. I think G town comes within three goals in the final uh, I think yeah. G-Town's playing really well, and Duke, you know, despite their big-time win over Loyola, not enough. I, I just think that Georgetown comes in with a different approach. Uh, Maryland, favored by four on Villanova. Excuse me, a struggling Villanova. 25 is the over-under here. What do you think? Uh, Maryland's going to have too much. Villanova can't stop anyone. 
uh, except Brown, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I've got I've got Maryland's and the over. I'm going to take Maryland, and I'm going to take the under on this one. Um, I think Maryland's going to stay strong, but I just, for whatever reason, don't think Villanova's going to score all that much. Um, but Maryland will. Uh, so they're going to take the four points. Army, favored by three, going to Worcester to play Holy Cross. 21 is the over-under. What do you think here, A.T.? Uh, I think Army's going to win the game, but but I think it's going to be closer. I was shocked with what happened on Saturday with Army Lehigh. So I'm actually going to take Holy Cross, um, and I'm going to take the over in this game. I'm going to take the under in this one, and I'm going to take Army. I think Army's defense is just way too tough, and it's something that Holy Cross hasn't seen. Um, so I'm, I'm going to dismiss the Lehigh victory for Army and move forward and thinking that Army's going to roll through the rest of the Patriot League. That is it for the lightning round, AT. We have two games today. First one up is Rutgers, favored by two against Princeton. The over-under here is 23-and-a-half. AT, where do you see Rutgers-Princeton today? This is going to be a really interesting game. I like the Princeton goalie. Tyler Blaisdell really, really well. I think that he's got to be in the running for uh, All-American. I think one of the top five goalies in the country to date based on his save percentage. Uh, I like the way that Princeton's offense is playing, coming off of 17 goals versus Hopkins, 17 goals versus Quinnipiac. Um, I like who they are. I think this is going to be a really high-scoring game, and I understand why the line would be Rutgers minus two, but I think that Princeton... um, disappoints the Rutgers fans, and I think that they go in and beat them tonight. So I got Princeton, and I got the over. I know the Ivy League is rooting for this victory. They need it bad. The entire league as a whole has been a little bit of a struggle bust lately uh, with Cornell winless, uh, with Yale not being as good as they thought in the early season, played with some injuries, Brown playing like the color of their jersey, uh, Penn (laughs) losing... Uh, this past weekend, uh, Dartmouth being Dartmouth uh, over the last few years. This is a tough year for the Ivy League, uh, but I'm going to take Rutgers in this one. I think this sets up well uh, for Rutgers. Uh, They do not uh, play a legitimate opponent this weekend, so this is their Saturday game. Princeton plays Penn this weekend, which is interesting. This was supposed to be on Tuesday night. They moved it to Wednesday. Uh, makes for an interesting game plan uh, for both teams. An extra day of prep, but I think it favors Rutgers uh, with Penn looming for Princeton uh, in a couple more days. So I'm going to take Rutgers to cover two goals, but I am definitely taking the over. I feel like this could be a runaway. We will find out. It, it could end up looking like uh, the Stony Brook Rutgers game in either fashion. Uh, it could be Princeton that could win by 10 or 12, or it could be Rutgers that wins by 12, 10 or 12. But um, that's what I have. Towson, Ohio State, another one in Maryland uh, that was postponed from Tuesday. It was supposed to be a Tuesday night game, now a Tuesday at noon, or excuse me, Wednesday at noon, which is right from where we are, about an hour away. So this podcast probably won't even come out before the game itself. Uh, but Towson is favored by two in Ohio State. The over-under here is... Uh, six goals. Uh, <laughs> kidding. 17 and a half. Uh, Towson, uh, Ohio State, what do you got, AJ? I like Tommy Carey and Nett for Ohio State to keep the game low scoring. I like Alex Woodall at the X for Towson to win 55-60% against Withers, who's very, very good for Ohio State. I just see a low scoring game, 8-6, something like that. Um I just I can't go on a team that to me is still unproven, and that's Ohio State. So I'm going to take Towson and the under. This is a big game, um, and it's a big game for Ohio State for the exact reason that you just said. They've got to prove that they are a team to be reckoned with in the country. I think we said off the air, Ohio State is has seven is seven and zero against seven teams with a combined record of eight total wins. Um, so that's the stat that proves your point. This is a big game for Towson. It's a home game. They're coming off a big win against Hopkins. How do you deal with success? That's an often, um, you know, a very common 
theme for successful teams. How do you uh, handle success? Big game here. I'm going to take Towson in a very low-scoring game as well. I'm taking the under as well. Uh, I'm taking uh, Towson minus two. I think Towson's on too much of a roll right now uh, to not pick them. They've gotten two dynamic opponents recently in Loyola and Hopkins. I think that they've seen the short end of the stick on one, and they've gotten the the end of the stick on the other. Uh, So I'm taking Towson here in a good game, low-scoring game, but Towson wins by three. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. Starting in the weekend games, first up on the docket is BU. BU is favored by two against Bucknell, a struggling Bucknell uh, who's lost the last four games. BU is coming off a win, 18-7 against uh, Colgate, which is kind of a crazy score, that one. Uh, That was a delayed game, a Sunday game. Um, And Bucknell coming off a loss against Holy Cross, 10-8. The over-under here is 22-18. What do you think? I think Bucknell, along with Fairfield, are the two most disappointing teams in the country. They really are. Both teams return a ton of veteran players. They have very good goalies. They got very good face-off guys. They got very good coaches. But for whatever yeah. reason, they're just not getting it done. Um, and you look at BU, even though they haven't played anybody, they still have played more tough opponents than Ohio State has, so they're fittingly ranked ahead of them. I think the biggest X factor in this game is Carson Bannister, the goalie for BU. He just he's playing again like a top three goalie in the country, and they're Bucknell's got to travel to Boston. I just you know I can see Bucknell winning the game. I could. I can see him showing up and, and, and flipping you know everything upside down. But I just I can't go on them based on each team's current body of work. BU's playing great. Bucknell's playing terribly. Bucknell has to travel to BU. BU has a great goalie. Uh, I, I'm going to take I'm going to take BU and I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take BU in this one as well. I, usually, I always say that the, the Patriot League games are going to be you know decided by one goal. We saw Navy beat or excuse me Lafayette beat Navy by by a goal. You would have thought. And I think I did mention that the BU Colgate game was going to be a close one. I picked um, Colgate to cover, I believe. Um, And they weren't even close. Uh, They won by 11. BU won by 11 goals. Carson Bannister is playing like a teamer this year. Uh, He He really is. is. And he's been a huge difference maker for BU, as he has been over the last couple of years. Um, You know, one name that we haven't seen in BU's stats uh, sheet has been Sam Talco. Uh, wondering if he's getting closer to coming back on the field after an injury, an unknown injury. Um, but BU, I see that the, the road trip for Bucknell is a little too much. They're coming off a four-game losing skid. BU's playing the best lacrosse they've ever played. I've got BU. Uh, in terms of the over-under, oof, 22. I'm going to take the over in this one. I think BU scores a lot of goals. I don't think Bucknell scores as many as we thought. Uh, so I'm going to take BU and the over. Next up, Hofstra favored by three goals against Providence. The over/under here is 22. This is a home game for Hofstra, who's coming off a win against UNC, arguably one of the biggest wins in program history. Although that was two years in a row, right? So I guess last year's win over the now defending champions UNC was probably their biggest win. Uh, but they did it again, which is huge. And Providence coming off a huge win over High Point Panthers, 17-8. to eight. Um, AT, the line here is three, over under 22.5. Again, what do you got? QC is a much better team than they've been in recent years, and I think that um, the people that are following them are starting to see the hard work of Gabs and his staff. I think they have one of the best Unknown goalies in the country and Tate Boyce. Uh, yeah, he's, he is awesome. Um, and the fact that they put up 
I think, 18 goals last week against High Point is it's scary. I mean, it, it's 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 a team that um, I think can put up some goals, but they do have to travel to Hofstra. Hofstra's coming off of, uh, you know, a great win at Carolina. It gets diluted a little bit by the fact that Carolina lost on Monday at Richmond, or against Richmond, although it was a quick turnaround time for them. Uh, but I still think Hofstra is for real. But I think given the fact that Tate Boyce is, is going to play really well for PC, I do think Hofstra is going to win, but I'm going to take Hofstra and I'm going to take the under. Three goals is a lot, in my opinion, in this one. Uh, I think that both teams are very disciplined on both sides of the ball. You know, you look at Providence and for all the things, I mean, Team Boys is at 60% right now uh, in the goal. And Brendan Cairns and Nick Hatsipatrakos, I, I think I went with it. Uh, I, think I, I think I did a good job there. 22 yeah. points each. Um, and that's, that's their offense right there. Their only blip on the radar is Sacred Heart, a loss to Sacred Heart. Um, Sacred Heart's definitely playing a little bit better uh, they are this year than they have in years past. But interesting to see that this game against – the game last week against High Point was the defining moment, I feel like, for Providence, that they can stick with big guns. And not because High Point is a team that is really, really good this year. It's just that they're beating the teams outside of Sacred Heart to the scores that they should. They beat Holy Cross earlier this season 10-4. They only lost to BU by a goal, and that game was 7-8. So I'm taking the under here – um, and I'm going to take uh, Providence to cover. I do not know who's going to win this game. I think it's going to be a good one. It's going to be yeah. within three goals. Um, but uh, but I see a great game here from a squad like Providence I did that is that has proven themselves. And I think Hofstra is playing really really well. But they're going against a really tough and scary opponent in Providence. So I'm going to take Providence plus three, and I'm going to take the under as well. Next up, Loyola favored by two and a half against Navy, the over-under here is 22. Um, Loyola coming off a loss to Duke, a pounding to Duke, 15-7. Navy coming off a loss to O.N. something, Lafayette, uh, 9-8. Really, really tough one there. Uh, So rock bottom. Both of them rock bottom, uh, which kind of is puts it two and a half is probably why the line is at two and a half. What do you think here, AJ? I was so disappointed in the way that Loyola played last week. You know, and, and I, I really think that Charlie and Matty Dwan, I, I think that's one of the best coaching staffs in the whole country. And for them to go down to Duke and literally not show up, I just couldn't get. I can't get over how many poor shots Romar Dennis makes takes, I should say. He doesn't make any of them. Um, <laughs> I, he, he, he's taken like, he looks like Sergio Perkovic taking these 18-yard, 16-yard shots as they're running away from the goal. It just, it just, it's not, it doesn't look good. The offense is, doesn't look good. I mean, they, they scored seven. They looked good at the beginning of the year. Um, Pat Spencer obviously had a huge game against Lehigh going one, or Lafayette going one and nine last week. But even he hasn't looked the same. He, he looks different. They just don't look organized on offense. Um, yeah. With that said, they're playing Navy, who just lost to Lafayette. Lafayette is still rock bottom. And I know Navy's so beaten up. Uh, I think Navy wins the faceoffs. I think Brady Dove ends up beating Graham Savio. I think he's better. Um, but I, don't, I, I just don't think Navy's going to be able to score many goals. Um, and I think that Loyola's offense is in a little bit of disarray, and I think Navy's going to come and play tough. Does Navy cover two and a half? I don't think they do. I don't think they – I think this is a low-scoring game. Um, I can see like 10-6 Loyola or 11-7, something like that. So I got Loyola and I got the under. I, I was going to take the exact same thing. Um, I feel like Loyola – is in a funk right now. Navy in general plays a very disciplined style on offense. Um, you can expect a timer on almost every single time. I think Brady Dove controls the face-off X. I think the kid Matt Reese off the wing is going to help him control those face-offs, um, which is going to cause problems in terms of the number of overall possessions that Loyola can get. Um, 
I think that this is an interesting turning point here for Loyola and an interesting game for Navy. In order for Navy to stay strong in this Patriot League race, they kind of have to win out at this point. They've already lost to BU. They've already lost to Lafayette. You know other teams have already beaten Lafayette and probably will beat Lafayette. Uh, so this is Lafayette lost. This is kills BU. That kills BU. That kills yes. Navy, I mean. Kills them. I, I mean, it, uh, it does put their season in jeopardy. And so this is a massive game for them to stay in the 16 playoff race for the, uh, for the arm, uh, excuse me, for the Patriot League. Um, with that being said, I still don't think that Navy scores enough. Um, I think Loyola's offense is a little too efficient. Uh, I'm going to take Loyola. I'm going to also take the under. I have a very similar score in my head, somewhere like 11 or 12 to 8 or something like that. Yeah. Next up, 10. Favored by one against a Princeton team going to Pennsylvania. The over-under here is 23. Penn coming off a loss to Michigan, 13-12. Princeton coming off a win against Quinnipiac, 17-13. Reminder that they are also playing tonight against Rutgers, which we obviously do not have the score of. A.T., what do you think here? Oh, God. You know, two weeks ago I would have said Penn should be favored by five goals. Uh, but who the hell is Penn? I mean, are they, are they the team that beat Virginia in a coaching masterpiece? Um, or are they the team that didn't get off the bus until five minutes left in the game against Michigan? You know, I, I know they're a really well-coached team. I know that Reed Junkin is, a, I, I consider, you know, one of the best goalies in the country, and I, I think – one of the best goalies in the Ivy League, if not the best goalie in the Ivy League. Maybe Robert Shaw from Harvard, I don't know. Um, they got some great players. I just, I just don't love the way that they're playing. Um, and then you've got Princeton, which is the other side of it. I love the way they're playing. They're playing way better than I thought they were even capable of playing. But, as you said, Princeton's going to play Rutgers at Rutgers tonight. And that gives them a sore Thursday, which is not going to be a practice that they're going to get much out of, yet they need to get a ton out of it. Uh, Then they have a pregame practice on Friday before they have to, you know, head to Penn probably on Saturday morning. I can't imagine that's an overnight trip, seeing that it's 45 minutes. Um, So I just, one goal, Penn wins this game. And Penn's going to win the game. Princeton's playing well. But I just think that too many other factors are not going to allow Princeton to play their best. And they're going to have to play their best against Penn. Penn's going to have a chip on their shoulder. They're going to make the necessary adjustments. And they're going to play, you know, a full 60-minute game in here. Um, and so I've got Penn. And I have got uh, – let's see – I like the over in this game. I think Penn's offense is going to do really, really well. I don't think Princeton has the personnel to slow them down. If Princeton wins, they're going to have to outscore them. I just don't think they're going to be sharp. So I see, I see Penn win this game like 15-11 or, or 14-9, something like that. I got Penn in the over. Go Quakers. Next two games, Notre Dame favored by two against UVA in Charlottesville. The over-under here is 22-and-a-half. Notre Dame coming off a loss to Denver in Denver, 11-10, in a last-second shovel shot. Uh, UVA coming off a victory, an OT victory against Cornell, 19-18 out in California, one of the most craziest games I've ever seen in terms of tons of great defense. Uh, <laughs> just insane amount of scoring and insane, insane amount of points. AP, what do you think here? Um, you know, I think Notre Dame is going to come in ready to play, but they do have to travel to make the trip. They lost a disappointing game at DU on Sunday. I thought that they uh, may have been in trouble when they fell behind 6-3, but again, they just, just are a really well-coached team. Um, but they're not getting any midfield scoring. Um, it seems like they are a tough team to read for me. Uh, you know, they, 
Not to mention, you look at this game last year, Notre Dame, I think, won 7-6, but they almost lost, and that was against a Virginia team that was unorganized, I think, across the board with a team culture that was not at its peak. And for them to show the balls to come back and beat Cornell, even though that's a team that we felt they would have blown their doors out, but you know, for them to show the balls to come back and, and, and win that game at the buzzer, I just think that uh, this is a really tough game to pick. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised to see Notre Dame win. I just don't think they're going to cover. Uh, uh, this, this this pains me. I'm going to take Virginia and I'm going to take the over. But it won't surprise me at all if Notre Dame holds them down and beats them ten seven. Like that won't surprise me at all. But I'm but I'm going to take Virginia and I'm going to take the over. I'm taking Notre Dame here, uh, and I'm taking the under. Um, I'm going the opposite well, way. Which is the way so. I know this is an easy one uh, for me. I think I, I think in my head, I think I see an almost exact version of UVA Penn earlier this year uh, in a defensive battle, um, and I think that Notre Dame has capabilities to um, basically reenact what Penn did defensively against UVA. I think that they can put things together uh, from the face-off perspective. I think they can slow them down in transition. Uh, to that point, too, I do know that Notre Dame could absolutely run transition with UVA, and this could be one of those games, again, that all of a sudden UVA and Notre Dame are going to you know, a 35-point game. Um, right. And, and, and that's what you're betting on right now. But for me, I don't see it that way. I see Notre Dame as the better team. I see them covering two goals. I see them keeping this at a low-scoring game. Remember, they went to Denver, and they held Denver to 11 goals, one of those getting off of a ground ball, running around the cage and stuffing. It could have easily been 11-10 to 10, uh, Notre Dame and an OT victory. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, for that reason alone – uh, I'm taking Notre Dame and their defense against UVA in their transition, and I'm going to take the under on 22 and a half. Uh, the last game before we get to the game of the week, we have Denver uh, going against Ohio State in the shoe. Uh, Denver is favored by three goals. Um, again, we will not know the result of the Towson Ohio State game, um, but they're favored right now at three goals. Um, tonight, or excuse me, today, or excuse me, this weekend, Denver coming off a win against, uh, or a loss, excuse, or no, a win against Notre Dame, 11 to 10. OSU coming off a 12 to 4 win against Cleveland State, um, an 0 and 6 Cleveland State game. Uh, AT, what do you think here? You know, I've been super critical of Ohio State all season long, uh, but it always seems like Ohio State plays Denver. Well, um, and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that notion in this game. Uh, I don't I don't love Denver's defense. I love Baptiste at the X, um, but I don't like Denver defense so much. I, I'm not sold on their goalie. Clearly, I'm sold on Canizero and their offense. But I think Ohio State's going to win the faceoffs here, and I think Ohio State's going to lose to Towson today. And I think that that loss to Towson today is going to help them against Denver on Sunday. Um, so even though it's a scary bet, I'm going to go with Ohio State and I'm going to take the under. I like it. I'm going to take Denver as well. Uh, or excuse me, I'm going to take Denver in this covering three. I think Ohio State coming off a, coming off a short week. It's a little too tough for them against a team like Denver who has a full week to prepare for a big team like Ohio State. I'm going to take Denver. I'm going to take the under in this. I just don't think Ohio State puts up enough goals for them. Um, and so for that reason, I'm going to take DU uh, over Ohio State covering three, and I'm going to take the under on 22 and a half. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do the game of the week and the rock bottom bowl. We'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. Mm. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen 
Cease. Talk. Breathe. Drink. We're back to finish up the show. We have the game of the week. We were originally going to have guests on the show, but uh, it turns out with all this OBS issues that we're having, couldn't do it. So we're just going to talk it out. But our game of the week is Johns Hopkins versus Syracuse. Number 14 Hopkins versus or in the Homewood Field, at Homewood Field in Baltimore, versus number six Syracuse. The line on this one is Hopkins is favored by one. 14-6 game, and Hopkins is favored by one. The over-under here is 25-and-a-half. Hopkins coming off a monster loss to a Towson team, 13-8. And Q's coming off a one-goal win over, I believe, winless St. John's. They might – I think they are – no, they beat Siena, I believe. Um, and the Rock Bottom Bowl. They beat them in the Rock Bottom Bowl. That's right. That's right. They beat him in the rock bottom ball. And crazy to think that Hopkins at 14, coming off a 13-8 loss, is favored by one against Q's. It is in Baltimore, but still crazy. What do you think about this one, AJ? I'm confused by this line. You know, Hopkins, is that two games in a row that they've, Lost. They got blown out by Princeton, and they essentially got kind of beaten up pretty badly by Towson. I think that I think those are their last two games. Is that correct? There was no midweek game. No, right? Um, and so I'm perplexed by this. Although Syracuse did not look good against St. John's, you know they only put up nine goals, um, but they still are having a great year, with the exception of a one goal loss. Army, who is tough, and they have two top 20 wins at this point. And they got one of the best face-off guys. I think he's a little banged up, but they got one of the best face-off guys in the country in Ben Williams. Um, I see Syracuse winning the draws. I'm not impressed with Hopkins' face-off group. I just don't think that they are getting it done for them. They got abused last week by my player of the week, Alex Woodall and Towson. And they got probably a better guy in Ben Williams coming in. And I think that Syracuse is going to control the middle of the field. Um, you know, Hopkins just has so many weapons offensively that they are scary, but for whatever reason, they seem to have lost their mojo on offense. And this was a team that we looked at two weeks ago and thought this might be the scariest offensive team in the country. Um, uh, but they've definitely come to a crash and halt. Uh, you know, the game is played in the Homewood, but I just feel that Hopkins should not be favored in this game. Um, so I'm definitely going to take Syracuse. Um, 25 and a half is a big, big number, but I don't like the way Hopkins defense is playing. I think the game is going to be played up and down. It's going to be very, very fan friendly. It's going to be a lot like the old school Syracuse Hopkins games were in the late eighties when I played when it was Petro versus the Gates. Um, so I'm going to take Syracuse, and I'm going to take the over in this game. I'm going to take – I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to take Hopkins. I'm going to take the under. I'm not impressed with the shooting. I'm not impressed with the, the efficiencies with either offense at this point. I'm curious to see if Hopkins treats cues similarly to St. John's. I didn't get to see the St. John's game, but I'm curious if St. John's threw a zone at them. Uh, just really slow the game down. Um, I don't know if Hopkins has ever played zone in the history of Hopkins across. But I just don't see Hopkins. You know, we talked about this earlier in the year, or at least I did. And when people were blowing up Hopkins about how many players they were playing on the offensive end, I mentioned that I felt like that was a big problem, not a good thing, because they didn't feel like they could trust anyone, say, six to eight guys on the field to handle their offense. They were just cycling guys through to see if they were going to, you know, see what stuck. And they're still cycling guys through. And so with that, you end up with a team scoring seven goals against Princeton and another, what, seven or six goals against or eight goals against Towson. Um, I don't trust. Hopkins, or excuse me, Syracuse, 
you know, that was like what nine, eight or 10, nine against Albany. It's another team. That's kind of similar to Hopkins. I just don't think they're scoring enough either. And so for that, I've got it under 25 goals. Yeah. But I do think that the Homewood field home home field advantage goes to Homewood guys. I think the refs are going to play a game play into this as well. I think that Hopkins can't play this poorly this much um, or this often. So I'm going to take Hopkins covering one, and I'm going to take the under in this one. Uh, I think it should, should still be a good game. But it's interesting to see the line at Hopkins favored by one. I thought I was actually yeah. going to take the underdog in this. But, uh, but I'm going to take the favorite, which kind of pumps me up, because I guess I'm not the only one, except for you. Yeah. The rock bottom ball, AT. Talk to us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I cannot believe the two teams that we have in this week's rock bottom ball. Normally, this game should be in the running for the I-in-your-face game of the week. But instead, it is the rock-bottom bowl. Sorry to say it, guys. Fan of both of these coaches. This week's rock-bottom bowl is the Cornell Big Red at (laughs) Yale. You've got Cornell at 0-4. Versus Yale at two and three. Yale just lost to UMass midweek last week for UMass's only win of the year. I think they're one and six or one and five with only a win over Yale after losing to Bryant last Saturday. And let's face it, they were up eight two on Fairfield and couldn't throw up all over themselves enough to allow Fairfield back in that game and to send it into overtime. And they almost lost that game, too. So this week's Rock Bottom line is Cornell at Yale. That's what it is. Um, I guess I'll go. My pick? I'll go. I'll go first since I lead you in all the others. Um, I'm going to go. Is it at Yale? Mm -hmm. New Haven or Ithaca? It's at Yale in, in the windy... John Reese Stadium. It's a town. If it was in this, uh, I'm going to give the edge to Cornell. You know what? Me too. I'm going to go Cornell. I'm going to go Cornell anyway. They scored, they come up 19 goals and, or 18 goals against UVA out in California. Jeff T is finally feeling a stride there. Not sure if Yale can stop the shots that are going to come their way. Face-off wise, it's, it's a toss-up. Ben Reeves is playing. He's playing great, actually, considering his injury. He is, he, is, considering, he is playing well. He's playing well, and I think that if you can just simply stop Reeves, you really stop an entire Yale program. <laughs> um, but I'm going to take Cornell on this one. A, a road win for Cornell to start the year 1-0 in the Ivy League. Um that's what I'm going to go with. I'm, I'm going with Cornell. What do you got? Um, you know what? I mean, uh, this is a tough game. Cornell coming off of a huge performance. Jeff Keith, 5-4 last week against Virginia. Uh, the weather's going to suck, uh, but he is Canadian. Um, I do not like the way Yale is playing. Their face-off guy is very good. Connor Mackey's a stud. Uh, and I do think that they're going to control the face-offs in this game. I don't like Cornell's unit, although Grant Mahler did well last week against Virginia, which was a little shocking. Um, but I don't, I don't like Yale in the goal. I don't even think they like Yale. I don't think they like each other in the goal. I mean, they got, who's their goalie? They got three guys that are playing and, and, and none of them have really been able to do a good job. They got some great personnel, but they just don't seem like they're clicking on offense. Um, you know, Christian Knight's playing, I, I think he had a pretty good games with about 17 goals against Virginia last week. Jeez, <laughs> uh, man, I just, I just don't know. Pulver, I think, is out for Cornell, which is good news for Reeves. Uh, Yale's been the better program in the last four years. 
But Cornell is overall a much better program, you know, in the history of the program. I just like the Cornell guys, Joe Lizio, Tony Greer, Tony Morgan, <laughs> Tano, Timmy Goldstein. I could go on and on and on. I just like the Cornell guys. This is so many better Cornell guys. Are you guys making this pick based on your friends? I am. I'm picking with my friends. <laughs> and I, you know, listen, I could have seen myself going to Cornell. I couldn't have seen myself going to Yale. I wouldn't have fit into Yale. I would have gotten kicked out of Yale. I got kicked out of Brown. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> let's face it. I, I think uh, I, I like, I like, I'm going with you on this one. I'm going with Cornell on the road against Yale. I think Jeff T lights him up. And I think Cornell starts to turn the corner with a young team. Is it going to be enough to get him into the Ivy League tournament at the end of the year? I don't think it will be, but I do think that they go on and I think they beat Yale at Yale this weekend. So I'm going with the young Cornell Big Red. Let's go, Tato. Well, that's it for the show. You heard it first. Towers going with Cornell over Yale. Both of us are picking against Yale for the Rock Bottom Bowl. Can't believe you'd see those two teams in the Rock Bottom Bowl. If we said this prior to the season, that Cornell and Yale would be in Week 7 Rock Bottom Bowl. No way. But it is, and that's the case. That's it for today. As always, check us out at In Your Face Lacks on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, until next week, hopefully we'll have the technology figured out and we'll be on all stations, all clear uh, next week. But tune in next week, Wednesday, 9 a.m. Uh, for our recap of Week 7 and our precap of Week 8. Until then, enjoy the weekend of lacrosse.